0: I am so very thankful that you got to hear last week from um, our North Campus Pastor, Mark. Uh, Hope you enjoyed him as much as I enjoy him. Don't like him more than me, okay? Just throw that out there, but you can like him, all right? Uh, No, he's great. He did an awesome job of uh, reminding us that it doesn't matter where we came from, it really matters who we follow. That was true for Hezekiah, which we looked at last week. That's true for the guy that we're gonna be looking at for today. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Matthew chapter one, before we jump in there, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll roll. Jesus, we could sing of your love forever, not because we have the energy or the stamina or the ability, but because you deserve it. You deserve to be worshiped forever. And uh, thanks that we get a chance just to enter into that just a little bit uh, as we sing together this morning. Uh, We pray right now that you would just move in our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you help us to hear what your word has to say? And would you help us to adjust our lives accordingly? God, thanks for this morning. Jesus, we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter one. You know this, the series entitled Bloodline. We're looking at people who we find in Jesus' bloodline. So chapter one, verse 10 says this Hezekiah, whom Mark preached about last week, was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amon. Amon was the father of Josiah, and Josiah was the father of Jehoachim and his brothers, born at the time of the exile to Babylon. Now, here's what we need to know about these couple people. Okay. We talked about Hezekiah last week. We know him. We know that in the last 15 years of his life. God gave him 15 extra years. He had Manasseh at that time and that he did not raise Manasseh in the ways of the Lord. And so Manasseh begins worshiping the idols, which they keep falling into the the rotation of worshiping. Now, he has a son who is worse off than him. Amon is way worse than Manasseh. We know that because we read that in 2 Kings. So flip with me over to 2 Kings chapter 22. We'll be there for the morning so you can kind of settle in there. But right before 22, which we're going to look at this morning, you see three paragraphs about Ammon. That's all we have about him in 2 in Kings. as three paragraphs. And basically, this is how it's summed up, okay? He served for 22 years. He was awful, like evil, like really, really bad. So bad that his uh, officials conspired against him to murder him, to assassinate him. They do so. And as a result, Josiah becomes king at the age of eight, all right? At the age of eight years old. Let's read that, 2 Kings 22, verse one. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother, Jedediah, was the daughter of Adadiah and from Boscath. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor, David. He did not turn away from doing what was wrong. Eight years old. This guy becomes king. And so I started to think this past week, do we got anybody in here who's eight years old, exactly eight years old? If you're exactly eight years old, raise your hand really high. All right, we don't have anybody who's eight years old. here. Okay, so when I was eight years old, what was I doing when I was eight years old, right? I can tell you nothing like this guy, okay? Like I started to think about when I was eight years old uh, and my brother and I were like WWF fans, okay? Now we weren't allowed to watch it, uh, very regularly because there would be something that would take place when we did watch it. See, my brother uh, lived with ADHD before we, they really knew how to diagnose or deal with that. And so when we were, one of his triggers was WWF, right? Like he would watch The Undertaker, Goldberg, these guys do their finishing moves on their opponent. And my brother was just like, it would trigger in him. Like, I want to do that to someone. <laughs> Guess who someone was? <laughs> this guy, Right. Like he would get so wound up and then he'd be like, he tried to convince me that this was going to be fun. Like you're going to be able to see it firsthand. I'm like, <laughs> no, right? That didn't really matter whether I said yes or no. He would end up doing that to me and multiple times um, knocked me out as a child, right? That's how it wound up. And then we get grounded from wrestling for a while. But, but my brother's favorite, one of my brother's favorite wrestlers was a guy named Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And I don't know if you know who Hacksaw Jim Duggan is, But Hacksaw Jim Duggan came out to every match with two things. Well, let's let's say three things, okay? A two-by-four, an American flag, and he was wearing his Speedo, okay? Like, I've got a picture of Hacksaw. You're welcome. I went from here up, okay? We don't need to be seeing that in church, okay? But he'd come out from behind the screen and he would do one thing as he came out. This. Oh! And for some reason... When he would do that, everyone else in the crowd—this is like the most hillbilly thing ever, right? Would do the exact same thing. Ah, you know, just start screaming. It was chaos, and people were just wound up. My brother would—I mean, like—he would do this, and my brother would go nuts. Thank goodness we didn't have like loose two by fours in the basement. Okay, I would have died. I would have died, right? And, and so he come pounded down in the ring. He put this over at the edge of the ring and they'd start wrestling and you knew it was coming. At some point, he was going to go get the two by four. And, and, and it would, usually when he was getting beat and it beat bad and all of a sudden he'd get knocked over into that corner and he grabbed the two by four, turn around and wham, right into the chops of this dude. Now wrestling's real, right? So when these guys would get hit in the chops, this is what would happen. They'd be, they'd be coming this way, hit, wham. And they go this way. They wouldn't pass out. They wouldn't get knocked down. It was weird, right? Like you get hit by a two by four, you're probably going to go down, I would think. But they did. They would just turn around and go the opposite direction. And this morning when we're looking at Josiah, there's a moment in his life when God takes a two by four and just drills him in the face. And what does he do? He turns around and heads in the other direction. It's what we call repentance, right? Right? Repentance, turning from our sin towards our savior, going in the opposite direction we were going. We're going this way. We get hit by something and we turn around and we go this way. And so let's see how that plays out in the life of Josiah. Josiah, the story uh, in 2 Kings isn't complete because there in verse two, he's eight. And then when we jump to verse three, he's now 26. So what happens between eight and 26 We have to go to a different book to figure that out. So put your finger in 2 Kings. We're going to come back to that. Two books to the right. You'll find 2 Chronicles. We're looking at chapter 34. Now, I'll say this. For some reason, God put it in Josiah's heart to be one who wanted to follow after the ways of his ancestor David. He didn't want to follow follow in his father's footsteps. He didn't want to follow in his Grandfathers says, it's like, this is way back, right? He's thinking about David. David was this guy who was after God's heart and I wanna be that too at eight years old. And then we read this in chapter 34, verse one. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor, David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. During his eighth year of reign, that's age 16, okay. I was not doing these things. Well, I was. I accepted Jesus at 16, okay? While he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. Then in the 12th year, when he was 20, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles, and the carved idols and cast images. So here's a guy who he is doing what's right, right? This is, he's, When we read this, we would think, man, this is a really good king. He is trying to eliminate these foreign gods that they worship, trying to eliminate the shrines that take place where this takes place. And he's wanting to be like his ancestor, David. So flip back over with me to 2 Kings 22. So what we see is he begins to do this. And one of the things that he's doing is not just getting rid of of these foreign gods. He wants to restore the temple. The temple had been used uh, for foreign uh, God worship and they, they turned it over. They, they, just, you know, they basically destroyed the place. And so he wanted to clean it up, get it back into working order for what it was intended for, which was the worship of God. And so he begins to collect an offering. And as they collect this offering, the offering is for the purpose of restoring the temple. And so they get to the point where they have what they need in order to restore the temple. It says this, as they begin to do that, Hilkiah verse 8 this is 2 Kings 22, verse eight. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan and he read it. Shaphan went to the king and reported, your officials have turned over the money collected at the temple of the Lord uh, to the workers and the supervisors at the temple. Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. I'm gonna stop right there. Don't read that next line. I know It's tempting there's this moment, right? He says, hey, we turn the money over. They're gonna begin working on the temple. But by the way, as we were doing that, we found this scroll. And it's this moment where Josiah has to make a decision. Like here we found a scroll that we don't really know what what is in it. We don't know what it is. And so there's this opportunity. He could either choose to read the scroll or he could say, you know what? Just take that scroll back to the temple and put it back where you found it. Now, it doesn't say that in scripture. And in fact, if you were just reading the story, you'd fly by and not even think about that question. But the truth is, is he had that decision. And so what's he do? It says there in the last, verse, or last sentence, so Shaphan read it to the king. So Josiah decided, I'm gonna listen to God's, I'm just, I was willing to hear God's word. He says in this moment, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna listen to this. I want you to read it to me. And let's see what it is that God has to say in the word of God. He could easily put it back in the temple and just be like, don't worry about it. We're doing good. We're trying to reform. We're getting rid of these. I'm doing a good job. But We don't need to read what's in that. But he also realizes, I think in that moment, that this is important. This is a scroll that we haven't been reading or paying attention to. And so we need to read it. So just is I was willing to hear God's word, verse 11. Then the king, when the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, the high priest, Ahiakim, son of Shaphan, Akbar, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the court secretary, and Asiah the king's personal advisor. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me, for the people and for Judah. Inquire about the words written in the scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in the scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. You see, he he hears the reading of God's word and he realizes here's what God's word says. And and most likely, most likely I read a lot of commentaries should figure this out because they're smarter people than I am. This is the book of Deuteronomy. So this is the book of the way of life basically for Israel. And so he reads that and he looks at the way they're living life and they're not lining up together. They're not the same. And so not only was he willing to hear God's word, but he's willing to respond. It's this moment where he has, he's, he's, I mean, the two, by God takes the two by four and just drills Josiah in the face and says, you're not doing it. You're not, you're not making, this does not line up with this. You're going to have to do something. Something's going to have to change. It's one of those moments, and, and some of you have said this before, by the Holy Spirit's work, I've been preaching up here, and it's like I'm speaking just to you in the room. I've been on the other end of that, where I've been sitting in a massive lecture hall, and somebody's speaking, and it's like, why is he calling me out right now? Right? That's not cool. How does he know I'm dealing with that, or I'm struggling with this, or I'm walking through that? And it's this moment where, where God is speaking to Josiah, saying, You got to respond. You got to do something. I had one of these moments, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. So a week ago, Friday, actually a couple months ago, I got an email from one of you asking me to uh, be to be a participant in this opportunity. I'm going to leave it at that, okay? And and honestly, when I opened the email and I read it, I thought two things: one, I'm not so sure I'm qualified to do that, (laughs) and two. I don't really know what you're asking me and that makes me nervous, right? And so I sent a couple more emails to try to clarify. This person wasn't sure exactly what all the opportunity (laughs) entailed. And I'm like, not gonna happen, right? Like, (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm like, I wanna know what's going on, what's gonna be asked of me, what's gonna take place. Uh, I I have a really hard time trusting the Lord in the unknown. And so I kind of emailed my way out of that one. We had sent so many emails that like, it was just kind of like, it was back there on the back burner. And then a week ago Friday, uh, we're driving by a building that we've driven by plenty of times. And my son looks at the building that represents this opportunity and says, hey, dad, what's that building? I'm like, you punk, <laughs> shut your mouth, you know? And he's like, what do they do there? I'm like, stop asking questions. You know, and I felt like God was saying, hey, <laughs> like, remember the email, you know? And usually we get to this point where like God and I are wrestling that he'll use my wife. I've told you about that. It's so much fun. You know, she'll be like, Hey, honey, I think you should think about, shut up, you know? But this time it was my son. He's like asking all these questions. I'm like, be be quiet, right? I've still, I pushed it off to the side. God, we're not doing that opportunity. I don't know what that means. So then I come here Saturday morning to men's group, uh, men's breakfast. If you're not coming to men's, you're a man, you're not coming to that, come. It is awesome. It was a great experience. walk in there. Paul, his theme for the morning is risking it all. I'm like, this is gonna be real cute, right? Like, I see what you're doing here, God, right? And I sit down, I'm trying to avoid this whole thing. And he starts to ask questions that we're supposed to discuss at the table. And I'm like, the first couple questions are kind of dancing around. And I'm like, nobody knows this is going on, right? This is just me and the Lord, like going at it because I'm stubborn, right? And finally, the Lord's like, listen, buddy, (laughs) have you ever seen a two by four? (laughs) You know, like the last question that Paul asked is this, what might be the Lord asking, be asking you to do right now that you're not willing to because it's too much of a risk? I knew exactly what the Lord was saying to me. <laughs> I had taken the two by four straight in between the eyes. And see, here's the thing. Josiah's heard this word. Shaphan's the only other one who knows what's written in it. He, he doesn't have to, res- he could respond any way he wanted to. I could have responded at that table and turned around and been like, eh, the Lord's not really asking me to do anything right now. And there were four other men that were sitting at the table that I had had looked in their eyes and say that to, you, and there was no way that was going to happen. So before I even answered the question, I turned around, and opened up my email, sent an email to that individual in our congregation and said, I'm in, let me know what needs to happen. Because I'm like, I I'm going to go home and, you know, my wife's going to start talking about it. So that's might as well skip that one. Right. Like I don't need that. Thanks Lord. You know, like, but Shaphan doesn't, what does Shaphan do? He says he tore his clothes in despair because he realized, listen, we're not living the way that God has called us to live. And we need to figure out how to get our lives lined up with his life. And so he sends Shaphan to a prophetess who, who speaks on behalf of the Lord. And it's not a good message. It's this message of you, you Judah has not been living up to what God's called them to live to. And so he's going to destroy them. And then we read this in verse 19. The Lord God through the prophetess says, You were sorry, Josiah, and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what was said against the city and its people that this land will be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance and I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So here's the, he even uses the word right there. Not just did Josiah hear the word of God. Not just did Josiah respond to it, but he changed. He changed. And when I hear that moment that, that you repented, I think of <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan hitting some dude in the face and him doing this. Because he was going this way and because of the two by four, now he's going this way. And when you hear God's word and it doesn't line up with your life, the question is, how are you responding? It's not good enough just to come and hang out here. We all go places and hang out every week. We go to the gym. Last night I was at Shania Twain, hung out there. That was weird. Okay. I checked that off the box. I there was nothing I had to do walking away from that. When you come and hear God's word, there's something that you're called to do. Does your life line up with the word of God? And if not, the next step is to respond in repentance to change. Josiah changes. Josiah immediately does what? Chapter 23, verse 1. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. All the kings went. Excuse me. All and the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and prophets. All the people from least to greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, decrees with all of his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Now this is the king. So his job is to make sure he pledges himself first and changes, but then he changes everybody else too. So he brings them all before them, reads the whole book of law and says, you're all gonna change too. Now here's the difference. I ain't no king, right? I can look at this, the word of God, and I can change my heart, but I can't change your heart. I can't get you to say, trust me, I've said this for years. If I could reach in, one, this would be extremely dangerous to give me the power to do this. But if I could reach in and change somebody's heart, man, there's so many people that I've watched in my life that I wish I could just change their heart because I feel like I could see what would be better for them and what's holding them up, but I can't do that. I don't have that power. Only the Holy Spirit has that power. And the truth is, you're the only one that can respond to the Holy Spirit. You when he speaks to you, what do you do? Josiah's life, Josiah's life begs three questions. And these are the three questions for you. Let me, before I do that, let me read this. We have this on the screen. Can you throw that up? 2 Kings 23, 25. Yep. This is the NIV. This is why I'm putting it on the screen because it says something a little bit different in the NLT, but I like the NIV. It says this: Neither before nor after Josiah. was there a king king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all of his heart, with all of his soul and with all of his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses? See, the truth is about Josiah is he turned with all of his heart, all of his soul and all of his strength. He turned. But the nation didn't. Judah didn't. Because if you keep reading the story, what happens? They fall right back into idol worship. Because... They didn't, they heard, but they didn't respond and nor did they change, did they repent. And the same can be tr- true for us. And so the question is, are you hearing from the word of God? Seems like a silly question, but it's a, it's a great question for us to ask. Are you hearing from the word of God? Like, are you actually sitting down every day hearing from the word of God? Listening to what he has to say. Some of you, High school students went to move a couple weeks ago, right? It was awesome. Yes. Okay. Some of you accepted Jesus for the first time. Praise God for that. But some of you decided you were going to rededicate your life to Jesus, right? Yes. Some of you. Okay. Some of you are like, I don't know what happened then. Okay. It's okay. Right. You decided to rededicate your life to Jesus. And I've had so many conversations with the students that have asked this. So do I need to be baptized again? You don't. You know what you need to do? Hear from the word of God. You need to read it. You need to get yourself before it. And when you have questions, you know who you're gonna ask? Your parents, your grandparents, your small group leaders, right? Why? Because you got to hear from him. You've got to understand him. And if they can do this, you can do this. But you know what stands in our way? The world. So I'm studying and I'm writing this out, and I'm like, what have you been listening to, Lance? I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna answer that question, right? Let's just keep moving. Question two, you know? And then it popped into my mind, it's like the Holy Spirit is like, hey, you need to think about this. You know how on Sundays, uh, your, little, your little notification pops up on your phone and says, This is how much screen time you've had this week, right? It's like, you're up by one hour and you know, 21%. I'm like, shut up, you know, like So I finally went to like the settings of that. Don't go there, it's a dangerous place. I'm just telling you. You go to the settings and you look and it will show you how much time you spend on each of your apps. The day that I was doing this, now this isn't like legalistic, I'm not trying to be legalist. I'm just telling you, this is where the Holy Spirit took me. I'm like, am I spending enough time before the Lord and his word? I would spent about 30, 45 minutes that morning with the Lord. I get on, I'd spent 41 minutes that day already on Instagram. The day before, hour and seven minutes. So in that moment, it was like God had led me to, hey, this is something you're already listening to more than me. And so I, I turned 40 in three days. It's weird. <laughs> I feel like I'm 22. Um, I act like I'm 16. Anyways, uh, 40 years old, and I set myself a 30-minute limit on my social media. Man, that goes fast. My phone pops up. I was like, you got five more minutes. Five more minutes. You know, I see everything everybody's doing in five minutes. Right? How ridiculous is that? That I want that to inform me more than I do the word of God. I'm never like, I got five minutes more in the Bible. Right? I don't do that. The question is, are you hearing from the word of God? Are you spending that time sitting? Listen, there's times I read the word of God and I get down and I'm like, well, that was great. I'm not sure I got much out of that. It's the practice of getting before it that we have to become excellent at. The second question is, are you responding to the word that you're hearing? Because you see, it's, It's great, you hear a sermon uh, about something that that, uh, relates to your life, but then you walk out of here and you're just like, well, that was great, Pastor, good job. That was a fun service, and I'm going to go about my week. You responded, this is probably not the way you should have, right? You should probably wrestle that one to the ground and figure out what it is that you need to do to change Uh, Third question is, is are you changing direction? If you're like me, every once in a while the Lord hits you with a two by four, are you willing to turn around from your sin and head towards your Savior? Are you willing to repent and to change your life? Josiah changed his life. He changed the way of life for Judah drastically. Drastically. But unfortunately, it was only... Josiah, who really changed. And so the question is, are you willing to change? Are you willing to, to do that work? The great thing is, you and I know this, we're not left to do it on our own. Right? If I had to change myself on my own, good luck. Right? It's not enough just to hear. Okay? I relate this to my obsession with Diet Coke. Again, I'm about to turn 40. You know how many times people have told me Diet Coke's going to kill you? There's aspartame in that, right? I've heard that plenty of times. I still drink Diet Coke at 8 a.m. I've looked at the can. I see that it says aspartame. I've responded. I actually did something. But the problem is I was not willing to change. At the end of the day, when God shows you his word and your life isn't aligned, are you willing to hear it, to respond to it and to change so that you can live according to his word? That's the question. And the good news is, is that Jesus died to cover all those faults. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower you and I to be able to do that in his strength. You don't have to do it alone. But we've got to do it. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thanks for Josiah. Thanks for the kings that came along and a long line of kings that just struggled to follow your word, to align themselves with what you desired for the nation. Ultimately, Josiah uh, does this reform, but he doesn't, doesn't do everything, all of it for everybody. He just couldn't. He, he was a king. He wasn't a savior. And God, we thank you this morning that you sent us a savior that not only could do it right, but covered all of us when we do it wrong. And when he came and lived, died and resurrected, he didn't just leave us alone. He sent a Holy Spirit to help us, to empower us, to strengthen us, to remind us, to hit us in the face with two by fours. Would we be willing to hear, respond and change? Jesus, help us to do that today. We love you. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.